Hey everybody, this is Billy West, and um, the things I do today, all these voices and everything else, movies, television, radio, oh man, you name it, I've done it. And I work with a bunch of big dumb disc jockeys, and they used to have voices like Zap Brannigan, and they say, 20 minutes past 7.30, yeah, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night Dick. You're home for this sort of thing. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess and take that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever the hell time it is you're actually listening. Quick question for for Jeremy. I was right in the middle of an introduction, Gam. Sure, (laughs) go right ahead. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, no, but you, you, I have a delay going on here. I'm positive. Because I started talking well before you started your introduction. Go ahead. But uh, Jeremy, um, if, is it fair game to talk about the aliens? I don't want to get into spoilers, but are the aliens considered fair game talking about them? Just not the general story about each one's individual story. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it sounds like All you right, do have a delay. Then interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. <clears throat> Welcome to yet another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the only podcast guaranteed that if you listen, you hear stuff, and if you don't listen, you probably won't. This week is episode 443. Uh, you were one off, man. You could have been 444. Sorry, timing's bad and all that. We expect to talk about aliens, and we have been, this is the weirdest goddamn thing in the world. We have been talking about uh, uh, aliens hiding on Earth literally every show from different aspects for almost the past month, if not longer. Uh, And guess what, kids? We're doing it again. We have another uh, pandemic pandemonium show tonight because of the need for uh, Skype social distancing and the cloggingness of the intertubes and the whole world is on the web. It's difficult to get a solid signal. So we're using, once again, a paired back cast, hoping for the best. In the Area 51 broadcast facility, joining me tonight is just Captain Cam, whose delay is just going to be ridiculous. Sure, it will be. By the way, don't look underneath the sofa. I have been hiding aliens there. Uh, (coughs) Yeah, that's been the big problem. You hiding the damn aliens. Um, so a while back, we, we stumbled across a friend, well, somebody who, who became one of our friends, because uh, he was doing uh, this really cool series called Princeless. And um, his name 
then was Jeremy Whitley, and oddly enough, still is. Jeremy, welcome back to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Are you kidding? This is, uh, we are huge fans of what you do because what you do is you provide that bridge between the young adult and the science fiction comic reader that introduces the young adult reader to some of the more standard science fiction stuff that's going on so that, you know, they don't jump from My Little Pony to Heinlein, uh, which would make no sense at all. Uh, it'd be funny, but it would make no sense at all. And, and your princeless books were uh, just cool and fun, and we had a lot of fun talking about them. And then I got an email from you about a month ago, maybe three weeks ago, saying, I got this new thing, and I'd really like to talk about it. And this new thing is called the School for Extraterrestrial Girls on. And I went, this sounds, first of all, great title, man. I love the title. Thank you. Then uh, I sent a copy over to Cam. Cam started reading it. I started reading it. And we were just kind of like texting back and forth for a couple of days going, wow, did you catch this? Wow, did you catch this? Wow, did you catch this? Uh, so talk to me a little bit about where this one came from. This is something very different from what you normally do. Uh, yeah, it's it's an idea that I, I had that was kind of bouncing around in my head. I didn't have too much of it fully formed uh, at first, and then I, uh, I a couple years ago at ALA, I got uh, set up next to um, Jamie Noguchi, who is my my artist on this series, and uh, we got to be good friends, and we were hanging out at you know every convention that we were both at, and. And I, I said, you know, Jamie, I, I want to work on something together. We should find something. And he's like, well, what do you got that you, you're not doing anything with yet? And I kind of ran a couple of ideas past him. And this was one that, you know, stuck with him. And uh, we sat down and kind of fleshed it all out. I came up with, you know, all the, all the characters and you know, some of the mechanics of it. And we went back and forth for a while. And, uh, you know, what eventually came out of it was, was this book. And uh, it's been sort of bouncing around a bit we you know had a a period where it looked like it was going to be at one publisher and then another and then uh you know publishers come and go and then disappear and um eventually we uh you know had it pitched over to, to paper cuts and uh they were they were excited to take a chance on it so we finally got to uh sit down and, and really put it all together and uh, this is this is just the first book of uh, you know what's going to be at least three. Yes, that's 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 so much what I wanted to hear, because I loved the ending, which I'm not going to give away. But the ending says to me, "Hey, hey, hey! Book two's coming. Calm down. You'll be fine." <laughs> uh, <clears throat> explain to the listener what exactly the school for extraterrestrial girls is. So, um, Not the book, the school itself. Yeah. 
so our our main character in the story, uh, Tara Smith, discovers that she, uh, without her knowledge, uh, is actually an alien um, living on Earth. And uh, when she's when she's picked up, uh, when things go wrong, and she finds out, she's picked up by the government and given one of two choices: either she can uh, go to what's essentially this boarding school for for alien girls, where she can continue her normal schooling, but also uh, learn to control her powers and become, you know, a, a model uh, citizen among humans, uh, or she can get, you know, shipped off to whatever planet she's supposed to be from, dumped in the middle of wherever. And uh, of course, seeing as she doesn't know anything about, you know, the universe outside of Earth, that she's lived her whole life thinking she's a human on Earth, she opts to, to stay and, uh, you know, go to the school. And it's just, uh, it's full of all sorts of, you know, girls from from different uh, situations, different histories that, you know, get dumped into the school to try and uh, figure out if they can continue to live on Earth, if they can find a way to, uh, you know, coexist with, with humanity. Over the past month of, of extraterrestrial stuff that we've been dealing with here on Sci-Fi Saturday Night, which has been in and of itself very weird that that's been kind of the themology that's been happening. <clears throat> the men in black keep coming up and there are several versions of the men in black. There are the, the, the project blue book men in black. There are the men in black. That's Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. There are the men in black that work uh, for majestic 12 uh, all different all different versions of what these men in black are. You have your own version here as well. And that takes the form of Agent Stone, I believe, unless yes. I'm totally off my rocker on this one. No, that's her, uh, Violet Stone. I think we find out her name is Violet at some point in this book. But yeah, it's <laughs> that is her. She's our, our man in black for this story. And that Men in Black persona is much more the kind of uh, Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones kind of laid back. The world is filled with aliens, and they're just trying to keep everybody all together and happy. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they're, they're saddled with the, uh, the job of, you know, both sort of keeping it secret and, you know, keeping everybody on both sides safe. So, uh, they're much more of the, you know, you give us, off, uh, you give us problems, we'll give you problems kind of, uh, men in black. Um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, it's interesting to me because, you know, we have sort of two, two authority figures in the book and, you know, we have, uh, Stone who is the, the agent and then we have the, the headmistress who is, uh, the Fiona Parker uh, character, yeah, who isn't. Well, the reality is nobody's who they seem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. as each one goes through its, each character goes through its own reveal, it becomes very interesting. And here's where it threw me completely that this is the school for extraterrestrial girls and at one point 
it is explained to somebody that there are so many different races throughout the galaxy. There is one race that has six different sexes, some of which might be considered girls. Yeah, um, you know, there's, uh, it's, I think one of the first things that, you know, comes to, comes to, I think, modern sci-fi readers' minds when they see something like, you know, School for Extraterrestrial Girls, uh, it's like, well, uh, you know, other, other races just have boys and girls, you know, this is, this seems ridiculous that they would divide them up this way. Um, and, you know, we sort of tackled that by like, oh, no, all, all these, you know, different races have all sorts of, you know, different, uh, different gender dynamics. Uh, but some of them, you know, are, that have even more complicated gender dynamics have even, you know, more, more strict boundaries between those genders. So you tend to be kind of meticulous in your characterizations and how you put them together. Uh, we've talked about this a couple of times. So wh where do you get your inspiration for the various races we get to see uh, and have referenced uh, within the book? And especially uh, Summer, Tara, and the cat sisters, the cat twins that aren't twins and aren't really <laughs> sisters. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to um, go uh, different ways with it because you know I, I think we have you know some races that are more you know traditionally alien we see some you know sort of gray aliens in there we have uh you know more lizard based stuff we have you know a uh, character who's a bit more of a there's a bit more of a you know elder god kind of look to them as far as uh you know their their physical appearance um but then i also wanted to you know, include things like, uh, you know, there are what are essentially space fairies in this story, you know, people who uh, meet the sort of traditional, what you would think of as a fantasy uh, type of character, a, a fairy. Um, but, you know, the reality to them is that they're you know, just from a, another dimension. They're from, you know, they travel between worlds like this. Uh, using magic and magic is just you know another another part of the sci-fi which uh is is one of the things i i always like about uh things like doctor who in that uh it doesn't necessarily say all right you know we're telling a we're telling a sci-fi story so there's no room for any other kind of genres in this right um, right 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 yeah they they say they say oh well fantasy stuff well that's just you know this this other thing that you know we can sort of explain through uh you know through our our sci-fi logic um so that's the kind of thing that i i wanted to have in there is you know to have a variety of of you know what we usually think of when we think of aliens and, and sci-fi creatures that all sort of make an appearance in this story so between you and uh jamie did you have to describe for Jamie what these characters were going to look like? Or did he come up with stuff and you came up with stuff? How did that one work out? Um, I tried to give Jamie pretty um, evocative, but uh, not too meticulous notes on, on what I thought the characters should look like. 
um, you know, I, I wanted to give him as much freedom to create stuff and, and make them cool and weird looking as possible, um, while still, you know, sort of advising what they should look like in a way that made sense with the story. Because um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to both let him do his job, which is, you know, creating, which is drawing cool shit. And, uh, and also, you know, tell a story where we, we get to see lots of different stuff in there. Um, so I think for the most part, I gave him pretty solid descriptions of, of what, you know, the main characters should look like. And then, uh, especially in the, the crowd scenes, you know, when they're in the dorms and things like yep. that, gave him sort of wide berth to like, yeah, just come up with this many crazy and fun designs as you can. I had a question and I don't know, and I, I, I've completely lost it now. And that sucked because it was a really good one. I thought, oh, um, let me go back to my notes here. God damn it. That was a good question. Ah, you, you refer a couple of times to the alien American, com alien American community. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was a really interesting phrase considering our current sociological discourse. Was any of that part of the part of the framework along here? Um, yeah, it's 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 uh, a fine line to walk because uh, I hardly want to be the, the sort of person that's like yes, this book about aliens is an important metaphor for, you know, things that real life people are going through. Um, but, you know, I do want to use it as a, a, a case to be able to touch on, you know, things that do feel real, that, you know, do sort of mirror those experiences in some way. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to give it um, a chance to, to touch on things like, you know, what it's, what it's like being uh, sort of, from from somewhere i mean especially in tara's case she's from somewhere that she has never been she has no experience with um you know this this place that she's supposed to be from she only really knows herself in you know the the form that she's been given that she's you know it turns out to maybe not be the most real uh version of, of what she looks like but um this is what she knows and, you know, in a lot of ways, it's the story of her trying to make the, you know, what she, where she finds out she's from and, and um, her people's history uh, sort of match up with what that perception is of who she is and, and how to make those two things gel. Especially with the way Misako uh, responds to her, uh, which is interesting as well. But at the same time, you're also... Um, you're you're laying an awful lot of reality inside of this science fiction fantasy, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing at all. In fact, I love the way it gets snuck in, sneaked, snuck, snorked. It gets snorked in. That's what we're going to say. <laughs> Uh, because another one of the things that you talk about is alien child abduction. 
but you don't talk about it a lot. You kind of skirt the issue a couple of times because the main character, Tara Smith, really has no idea where she came from, how she got here, why she's here, yada, 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 yada. And there is a conspiracy lying just underneath that you refer to just enough to make book two become a much more developed alien conspiracy kind of story while still, while still, and this is what makes it cool, young teenage girls learning how to get along, learning how to understand who they are. Cam, you had a question about one of the, uh, one of the classes that they were teaching. Yes, let me just grab my notes here. But it was the one that was the actual self-actualization. There we go. It was the self-actualization class. And it does kind of segue into what Dome was talking about, where, you know, if these were aliens, it, the, the question comes up is, if they're aliens and they know who they are, then why do they need to self-actualization? Unless a lot of these aliens were, for lack, goes back to what Dome was saying, snatched away you know, before they had a chance to learn who they really are. Because you have a lot of these aliens going, look, I can do this. I can make stones appear out of my body and then reabsorb them. And it's, it's the, you watch this and you go, so why are they having to learn this on Earth? You know, what was, hap what happened in all these, these alien children's lives that's, you know, removed that knowledge from them? And I think that's one of the questions we have, and I'm hoping that gets answered in the next book. Yeah, um, it's 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 really interesting to me because I, I feel like uh, in a lot of cases, especially when it comes to, to Princeless, I've been accused of being uh, unsubtle with my my messages, um, you know, with with really laying everything out there and having characters sort of say what stories are about. Um, Whereas I, I feel like the way that we set this up, it has this very tip of the iceberg kind of feel that like, you know, you know a little bit about, you know, Tara and Masako and um, you know, some of these other characters, but you don't, a, a lot of the, the larger story is just sort of hinted at because, you know, that's sort of, as, as somebody, you know, who obviously we, we all went through school, but also, you know, who has a wife who's a teacher, I think you see these little bits of, of other kids or, you know, as a teacher of, of kids' lives, and you just sort of get this little piece of what's going on that, you know, either they're willing to share or that you can figure out. And uh, there's no, it's really difficult to tell what the rest of that history is under there. Um, so it's, it's kind of, uh, the, the way that I wanted this to feel is like, you know, not everybody is, is not all these kids are just laying out their entire history on the table every time you meet them. Um, but, you know, they, they obviously have more going on. And that's definitely you know, something I wanted to touch on because I think, you know, in this story, there are, you know, kids who have been aware of where they came from or, or what they are and, you know, are here, whether it be as, as refugees or, or something of that sort, that uh, just, need to focus more on the, you know, living with humans 
part of things, but there's also you know, people like Tara who have had that whole history taken away from them, or in the case of uh, you know Misako, who is sort of uh, has this you know sort of traditional fairy story of of being you know a, a fairy kid who was left uh, as a you know disguised as a human child to be raised by humans, um, and it's just sort of figuring out who they are now, and uh, you know is, is trying to figure out how to deal with that and, and how to move forward. Are you going to get into any more of the the tech side of this? Because there are two very, very <clears throat> important pieces of tech that, that make this work. One of them is the piece of tech that the child wears so that to the rest of the world, it looks human. And the other piece of tech is a, a piece of jewelry that the child wears so that she looks human to herself. And it's, it's the breaking out of the, the crutch of that tech in, in Tara's case, for example, that she's never known about until she gets, uh, uh, until something gets her to a breaking point during the normal, uh, during a normal high school, junior high school day that gets her sent to Black Site 513, which is in fact the School for Extraterrestrial Girls. Are we going to get further into that? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think uh, it's it's one of those uh, things that's uh, it's with, with a lot of you know sci-fi tech, be it this or uh, you know Star Trek um, stuff. Uh, that uh, I think it's it's best to explain just enough of <laughs> without trying to like go into a huge amount of mechanics on, but uh, we definitely touch more on, on how it works and how it's manipulated. Uh, and you know, there's some in this book, and there's definitely some more in in the next book, um, discussing sort of of how all that works. But uh, it's also one of those things that we have to be like, all right, well, the this is. This is sci-fi. It only makes so much sense. Um, so, you know, we want to uh, play on sort of this line where we can, you know, uh, have this this fun idea without over-explaining it and, and making it less fun. The important thing for me <clears throat> is, once again, and it's always been, uh, for me and your writing, it's been the characters, it's been that you come to care about the people that you're writing about, the people that I'm reading about. You come to understand their peculiarities as well as their, why they are the way they are. Um, and, and that for me makes when you really hit your stride with a book, and damn it, you did with this one. It's it's really fun to read. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I love. Um, my favorite part of all of all of writing is is creating characters and and you know creating characters that allow you to do fun and interesting things. Um, and yeah, with, with this group, it was um, it was so much fun to get to play with all these different uh, you know tropes and and histories and sci-fi to sort of, 
you know, get get different things in there because it. I feel like it's really wide ranging because Tara's Tara's history is very, you know, traditional sci-fi soap opera, you know, big mm-hmm. uh, big uh, space kind of thing. Uh, in Masako's, it is, is sort of completely different and having you know bits of space but bits of fantasy. But then you have you know uh, characters like the the Cat Sisters, um, where you know they're sort of they've been hiding on Earth, you know, sort of in the open, just you know, in a, a far off place, um, and you get to have sort of you know, Cat uh, especially uh, is sort of obsessed with uh, you know human culture and, and drama <laughs> and soap operas and things yep. like that. So yep. she's really. She's really fun and goofy and, uh, you know, a big orange cat at heart, but also one that just loves ridiculous human stuff. She's the Cheshire cat. There's no question about that. No (laughs) question about that at all. Um, Absolutely. What made you decide that this is a three book series? Um, well, I, uh, I knew some of what I wanted to do with it and I, uh, I've been thinking of it in, you know, semesters um, and uh, putting all the, the bits of school together into different chapters. Um, I, I think it could it could potentially be more than three. Three is, you know, at the, at the least it's going that long. Um, but that'll be the first sort of whole story of this, uh, you know, give, give everything a much better idea of, of where things come from within, you know, three book story solve a lot of mysteries there but hopefully i think i I think these characters have enough you know legs to them to do more stuff beyond that if uh it turns out that way but i wanted to have a story that we can actually you know finish but is still a big uh still a big open drama of a story it's a difficult time to be a writer the world is in lockdown well always to begin with (laughs) But, I mean, what are we into uh, 12 weeks of lockdown at this point? And yeah. I, I, I freaking had it. I mean, um, I have, I, I wear masks around the house just to annoy people now. And it's working, <laughs> which is even better. Uh, but <laughs> at this point, you know, how difficult is it for you to get people to come to you and, and, and talk about publishing when your main outlets, the comic book stores, are all closed? It's been, it's been really interesting and, and difficult. Um, and that, especially you know, with stuff like with School for Extraterrestrial Girls, I'm sort of straddling this line between uh, traditional comic book market and a more uh, you know larger literary book market. Um, because you know it is coming out as graphic novel, so it's not going to be you know going strictly through Diamond to start it off with. It's going to be in, coming out to a larger community, and I think both both publishing and comics publishing have dealt with the whole situation a little bit differently, but I think the common thing between all of them is that a lot of, uh, a lot of things have been pushed back. A lot of, uh, 
that's been put on hold. A lot of my editors, um, you know, at, at all of the companies have, uh, you know, either been furloughed or, or had to leave or, you know, are, are just sort of in a state of maintaining things where they are until they get word otherwise. Um, so it's been, it's been challenging um, to, to keep going, to, to figure out what the next thing is. I think at this point, it's been a lot of me either challenging myself or doing this thing I've, I've developed over the last um, year or so of, of working with a lot more, not just artists, but writers as well to do, you know, different stuff. Because I think when you, when you collaborate, when you have somebody to, you know, feed off your energy and to feed off their energy and then put stuff back and forth, it's a lot easier to keep going, especially when, you know, the, the companies that you normally be turning stuff into are, uh, you know, on lockdown or on hold or uh, you know, not not looking for new things. So having somebody to uh, sit down with you and, and bounce ideas around and work together, I think really helps to uh, get your process going and to, to keep moving when you normally okay. would be stuck. So if the question is, when is a young adult graphic novel, not a young adult graphic novel, but actually something quite more complex, available at any series of levels, and just a fun read, um, the guy to talk to about it would be Jeremy Whitley, because the name of the book mm -hmm. is The School for Extraterrestrial Girls. It's out on paper cuts at the end of this month. And uh, as soon as we get a link to where you guys can find it, <clears throat> we will publish that link for you. But I got to tell you, this one is your best book yet, the most fun, and a, and a great, great read. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, and thanks for all the compliments. Well, you know, it's, you know, cool stuff we like, and you're here, and that's why, because School for Extraterrestrial Girls I, should be one of, one of the best books around, and I'm so looking forward to book two. Thank you very much. Me too. Um, but Jamie's already working on it now. Outstanding. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con. Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, my Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is available on Audible, because I'm not sure where else you can find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com. And don't forget to try the Watts sauce we have. We love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. You can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp. And a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie shared pain as lessons, shared joy increased. 
Thus do we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime. Good night, everybody. How you doing there, Dylan?